We began in January of 2007 with the reading of Psalm 1. And we've progressed through just to the reading of Psalm 2 and then Psalm 3 and Psalm 4 and Psalm 5. And we've used these psalms as a, as a call to worship. Uh, I, use, I use just to prompt our hearts in the worship of God. Well, today we have reached Psalm 67. And in some measure, today is going to be no different than, the, than in the past. We're going to use Psalm 67 as our call to worship, but... In some ways, it's going to be different than our last 66 Sundays. Normally, our call to worship lasts about three to five minutes. Read the psalm, think about it, focus on a verse, and prompt our hearts of worship to the Lord. But today's going to be a bit longer than that, for those of you who know what I'm talking about. Today, I'm going to preach from Psalm 67. So, the next 50 minutes or so, you can anticipate, will be in uh, Psalm 67. And then, after my exposition, we're going to respond in worship. So it is going to be a long call to worship for us this morning. And uh, basically what we're going to do is we flip our service. Normally we sing at the first and then preach. But today we're going to preach first and then respond in songs. I think you're going to like it. So the implication of that, though, is that we're going to have children's church right now. For the kids who want to go to children's church and for those who want to come up and get their notes, they can come up and get their notes. And then we'll progress as we normally do. So I dismiss the kids to do their thing. I think I'm still in here. Yeah, I invite you to open your Bibles to Psalm 67. Psalm 67 is a a prayer. In fact, it's a it's a missionary prayer. It's not a prayer for missionaries, but it's a prayer the Lord would accomplish His missionary purpose across the world. I want to read it for you now. God, be gracious to us and bless us and cause His face to shine upon us that Your way may be known on the earth, Your salvation among all nations. Let the peoples praise You, O God. Let all the peoples praise You. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For You will judge the nations... I'm sorry. You you will judge the peoples with uprightness and guide the nations on the earth. Let the peoples praise You, O God. Let all the peoples praise You. The earth has yielded its produce and God, our God, blesses us. God blesses us that all the ends of the earth may fear Him. Amen. My message this morning has four points. There's simply the four prayer requests given in this psalm. The first one is in verse 1. Bless us. Bless us. The psalmist says there in verse 1, God be gracious to us and bless us and cause His face to shine upon us. Here we see three short prayer requests. There's a Request for grace, there's a request for blessing, and there's a request for God's shining of His face upon us. Each of these requests are thoroughly grounded in the Bible. They're often repeated many times. In fact, one place though where they're established um, in maybe more of a concentrated place than any other place is in Numbers chapter 6. When the Lord was establishing how it was that He was to be worshipped in Israel, He gave specific instructions for the priests of Israel, how us to to say their blessing of the people. 
And the priest was to stand and maybe lift up his hands and say these words. And many churches end with the pastor saying this, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. So the psalmist here prays many of these same elements for grace, for blessing, for God's face to shine upon us. And it is interesting, I believe in many ways the psalmist here is merely praying back the Scriptures to God. It's a practice that I would really encourage you to do. When you pray to the Lord, pray through a passage of Scripture. Take your Bible. Get on your knees before the Lord. And look and read what the Bible says. And it says, God, be gracious to us and bless us. Say, God, I pray You'd be gracious to me. I pray that You would bless me. I pray, Lord, that Your face shines upon me. And just pray right through the Bible. You just take verses from the Scripture. And that way, you can be assured that what you are praying is what God has inspired for you to use as a prayer manual. And I would encourage you to do that. Read the Scripture. Think about the Scripture. Feel the Scripture. And then pray it back to God. In fact, that's really been our heart in traversing through the Psalms all these mornings. We've really tried to take a Psalm and and think upon it, meditate it, and prompt our hearts to worship and praise unto the Lord. The Psalms are the inspired songs and prayers of godly men who sought to worship the Lord. And when the Lord gave the priests this blessing to say before the sons of Israel, it revealed His heart that God had toward His people. I mean, when, when God told the priest to say, the Lord bless you and keep you, make His face shine upon you, be gracious to you, lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace, that's exactly what God's heart was for the people. In fact, at the end of the blessing, in Numbers 6, verse 27, it says, So the priests shall invoke My name upon the sons of Israel, and then I will bless them. So the priests shall invoke My name and I will bless them. And it would have been totally appropriate for a Jew to to have his Bible before him and on his knees praying that God, may You bless me and keep me and prosper me and help me and guide me. May You look upon me with favor, O Lord. May You see my troubles and difficulties and trials and woes and be gracious to me. God, shine Your beauty upon me. There are troubles around me. There are troubles within. But grant me Your peace. That would have been entirely appropriate for a a Jewish person to pray. It's an entirely appropriate prayer for you all to pray. And so, we look at this prayer of Psalm 67. It's appropriate for us to pray these things. appropriate to pray God's grace upon our lives. appropriate for us to pray that God would bless us and cause His face to shine upon us. And these... These are easy things to understand. Grace. There's just a, a time where the psalmist is pleading God's compassion. God's kindness. God's not to be angry with us. It's a pleading for God to extend His loving kindness to us. That second phrase there, bless us. It's just a prayer for God to, to help us and, and prosper us. How blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, Psalm 128 says, who walk in His ways. You shall eat the fruit of your hands. It will be happy. You'll be happy and it will be well with you. That's the blessed life. The blessed life is the happy life. 
Your wife's like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children like olive plants around your table. Thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The happy, healthy home with a happy wife, happy children, that is the blessing of God. The third phrase here that God would cause His face to shine upon us is, is a bit more difficult because it doesn't appear too many times, but it does appear about a half a dozen times in the Psalms. And in each case, it's always describing that God's saving, redeeming, delivering, helping, reviving work. That God would, would shower His, His face of blessing upon us. Like consider Psalm 4 verse 7. Psalm 4 verse 6 says that many are saying, this is David writing, many are saying, who will show us any good? Like There's a time of distress and, and, and trials and difficulties. Who's going to show us good? And then David prays, "May lift up the light of your countenance upon us, O Lord. Speaking of the favor of God, nobody's showing us good, but God, may you show us good by lifting up your countenance upon us, by shining your face upon us. And that's why I've summarized verse 1 here by just this prayer request. God bless us. God bless us. Because all these words speak about God's blessing and favor upon your life. And here's my application for each and every single one of you. I want this to be your prayer. I want for you to pray, God, be gracious to us and bless us and cause His face to shine upon us. I want you to pray God's blessing upon your life. I want you to pray God's blessing upon the life at Rock Valley Bible Church. How's that for application, huh? (laughs) That's a good application, right? Pray for God's blessing upon your life. I mean, who doesn't want God's blessing upon their lives? A few years back, Bruce Wilkinson wrote a book entitled The Prayer of Jabez. Are you familiar with that book? Probably you along with seven million other people who bought this book. Wildly successful, Bruce Wilkinson took this obscure prayer by an obscure man, an obscure genealogy. First Chronicles 4.10 Now Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my border, that your hand might be with me and that you would keep me from harm, that it may not pain me. And the Scripture says God granted him what he requested. Bruce Wilkinson said he prayed this prayer for himself for 30 years. And throughout the book, this little book, 64 pages I think, something like that, he he explained of God's abundant blessing upon his life. And the premise of the book is this. If you pray this prayer, you too can know incredible blessing upon your life. And the book was wildly successful. Millions of people bought it, held the number one spot in New York Times, USA Today's bestseller list, the Christian Bookseller Association top bestselling list. Why do you think the book was so popular? Why do you think it was so successful? I think it's because the, the promises of abundant prosperity of simply pray a prayer catch everybody. I mean, we want to be prayed. We want to have this blessing. And if it's simply a prayer away, well, let me read about it. Well, I'm saying Psalm 67 is that type of prayer. God, be gracious to us and bless us. God, cause Your face to shine upon us. What would stop us from praying that prayer? You know, Psalm 67, though, has got a twist to it. It's a, it's a purpose that I believe in many ways Bruce Wilkinson has in his heart. But I believe in many ways many people use the prayer of Jabez don't. Many want the just blessing on me so I can have my houses and my, my cars and my clothes. I mean, God wants to bless me so I can spend it on myself and use it on myself. 
But in Psalm 67, there's a, a reason why he prays this. Psalm 67, verse 1, doesn't appear apart from verse 2. And I want you to pray verse 1 in light of verse 2. Alright? So there's my qualification of it a little bit. Verse 1, the prayer is God bless us. The prayer of verse 2 is God use us. That your ways may be known on the earth, your salvation among all nations. Verse 2 begins with a purpose word. It begins with that your way may be known on the earth. It's the reason why the psalmist prays for the blessing of his life. So that God might use his life for his glory. In other words, you might paraphrase this. God, I want you to bless me. So that the fame of your name and your way should be spread far and wide because that's what I desire above all. I want more of you and less of me. You bless me and I'm going to be more of you. That's the psalmist's prayer. That's why I call this psalm a missionary prayer. It's a prayer for the nations. Listen, but but you can't impact the nations without a blessing at home. You can't impact the nations without a blessing at home. You can't help others unless you're in a position to help. In Psalm 67, there's a desire to be placed in a position where I can help. And then it says, God, you put me in a position where I can help and I'm going to help. I'm going to spread your fame throughout the, the earth. And we see then the blessing of God having its missionary effect. In fact, that's all over the Bible. God blesses His people so that others can see and hear of His ways so that others may be saved. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said, You are the light of the world. He said, A city set up on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do you put a lamp underneath a peck measure. What do you do? You put on a lampstand. It gives light to all who are in the room. And then Jesus says, Let your light shine before men in such a way they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. In other words, you should shine before people. You should shine before the nation so that when they look at you, they don't see you. They see God. Right? Oftentimes, maybe we do a good work and they look at us. He says, no. Do your works in such a way they may glorify God who is in heaven. Blessing God upon your life. You're acting it out in response of worship to Him and it's bringing glory to His name. Few weeks when we get back to First Peter, <clears throat> not next week. I want to continue kind of this missionary theme next week, and then we're going to get back to First Peter. But when we get back there in First Peter chapter three verse fifteen, it says, "Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that's within you." Yeah, with gentleness and, and reverence. And, and Peter's saying by those words that you're in a difficult situation. You're being slandered by your faith. You're being ostracized. You're being ridiculed and treated unfairly. And yet in the midst of this great difficulty, God's blessing is upon your life. And you have this incredible hope and happiness and endurance through your incredible trial. And you're living a life that's such as making a statement to everyone around you. And then those are confused. Say, watch your life. They're confused. (laughs) Say, how can those who have it so badly face the trials with such joy and happiness? And they may even come up to you and say, hey, buddy, your life is terrible. Why are you filled with so much hope? At that point, you can give a defense for God. You can make known the ways of God and His plan of salvation. Suffer now and glory later. You can let it be known. That's the blessing of God upon lives that give them an opportunity to proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called them out of darkness into His marvelous light. 1 Peter 2.9 
Another picture of God's blessing upon the people of, of Israel and it extends to us in Deuteronomy chapter 4. It's in the Pentateuch. Listen to what Moses told the people. Deuteronomy 4, verses 5-8. through 8. He says, See, I have taught you statutes and judgments just as the Lord my God commanded me that you should do thus in the land you're entering to possess it. Now think about Deuteronomy 4. That's after Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers and all the law and everything there. He's saying, listen, I've given you all these things. And so keep them and do them is what Moses says. For that is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God whenever we call on Him? Or what great nation is there that has statutes and judgments as righteous as this whole law which I am setting before you today? You see what Moses is saying? He's saying as you, as you obey the Lord and as you seek Him and as you honor Him and do everything He says, the nations around you will see your wisdom and will see your understanding and they will marvel at it. And the ways of God will be talked about in foreign lands. They say, oh, that people of Israel, they have a wonderful God who gives them these statutes and these, these rules and, and gives them instruction. What a wonderful, He's so near to them whenever they call. And they start talking about it. And the report goes to many throughout the land and many will seek the Lord and be saved. That happened in the life of Rahab. Remember when Israel was on the precipice of conquering the promised land? They came to Jericho, sent two spies out into the land. As it happened, they came upon the house of Rahab, the harlot, who brought them into her home, put them on the roof for safety, maybe hid them there a little bit. And then shortly before bedtime, Rahab comes to them. And he says, she says this. Think about it. Bless us that your ways may be known on the earth, your salvation among all nations. I know that the Lord has given you the land. And the terror of you has fallen on us. And that all the inhabitants of a land have melted away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. When we heard it, our hearts melted and no courage remained in any man any longer because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Now, therefore, please swear to me by the Lord, since I've dealt kindly with you, that you will also deal kindly with my father's household and give me a pledge of truth. And spare my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters with all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. So the men said to her, Our life for yours if you do not tell this business of ours. And it shall come about when the Lord gives us the land that we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. And later when Israel came and attacked Jericho, you know what happened? Right? She was saved. How she saved? She saved because God blessed Israel, allowed them to capture Og, king of Bashan, Sihon, king of Heshbon, allowed them to conquer that. There's great fear in us. They say, he's what a great God, right? We can't conquer them because God's on their side. We can't fight against God. And she said, wow, his ways are great. And I know His ways and I'm going to plead for His salvation. And so he pleads, she pleads the spies and salvation came upon her house. That's how God works. He blesses His people and then His name spreads. 
Sometimes it spreads. Sometimes people come to them. I think about uh, the blessing of God upon Israel is what brought the Queen of Sheba to see the wisdom and prosperity of Solomon. She said, I've heard about this great fame, but I want to see it for myself. And so she traveled to wisdom. And even she said to, to Jerusalem to talk with Solomon, she said, it far exceeds what I've heard. And God's ways are known to Queen of Sheba. And then think about what she's going to go back and tell her nation. Wow, this nation, it's amazing what they have. The blessing of God was upon Elisha. That's what convinced Naaman to come and seek healing from him. Right? This little slave girl off there, she tells about this great God, great prophet. And so Naaman comes and gets healed. What do you think is going to happen when he gets healed? He's going to go back and proclaim the name of God. God's blessing upon the life of Daniel brought the news to Nebuchadnezzar and Darius. Brought both of them to give honor to the Lord. God's blessing upon this this. Uh, Youth from Jerusalem transported in a foreign land. He was just faithful and God blessed him and was gracious to him and caused his face to shine upon him. And just the multiplication of that was amazing. That's how God always works. He blesses people so that his ways are known abroad so that salvation then extends to the nation. And that's what verse 2 says. God, use us. Bless us that your ways may be known on the earth, your salvation among all nations. And I just say this, dear church family, that God is willing and ready and desirous of those who have pledged in their hearts to use God's blessing to give and to be a blessing to others. I think about several men. R.G. Letourneau. He's a great man I think of. He he invented earth-moving equipment. Like big bulldozers and things like that. And he just had many, many patents. And he invented and created these machines that move the earth. And his business began to grow. I remember hearing, he said, I'm going to cap my salary. This is where my salary is going to be. And I'm not going to go higher. This is all I need. And so God kept bringing the money in and bringing the money in. And what he did was then he, he just started shoveling it out. Because that's what I need. God's given me this much and I'm just shoveling it out. Um, at one point, he eventually reached the point where he was giving 90% of his income to Christian causes. Because he determined, right, that when God raises your standard of living, you raise your standard of giving, I think is what Randy Alcorn says. And he's, listen to his quote. He said, I just kept shoveling out and God just keeps shoveling back. But God's got a bigger shovel. That's what he said. And, and, and just through his generosity, he established a university with a trust, Christian university. Many Christians have been trained for the mission field, went out, spread his fame among this land. And, and why do you think that he was so abundantly blessed of the Lord? I think it's because he determined not to use his blessing on himself, but to use them on others. Another man is Randy Alcorn. Some of you know his story. It's a great story. He's a pastor of a large Presbyterian church doing well. He's involved in some peaceful, nonviolent civil disobedience at abortion clinics. And at one point he was arrested, thrown into jail, as many Christian leaders were back in those days, 1980s, I think. And the abortion clinic sued all the protesters, and a judgment came down against Randy and about $28.4 million. $8.2 million. I've heard him say 8.2, I've read it 8.4, some kind of $8 million judgment upon all, all these people. And so, He's got to pay this. He stood before the judge says, Judge, I could pay a lot of people for a lot of things, but I can't pay to have people kill innocent babies. 
And uh, so the court was going to garnish their wages. And so he went to the elders of the church and he said, uh, I can't take church's money that people are giving for the Lord's work and give it there, so I quit. He loved pastoring, he quit. And so he established a ministry, eternal perspectives ministry. His goal this ministry are twofold. First of all, teach the principles of God's word, emphasizing eternal viewpoint. And second, to reach the needy in Christ's name, calling attention to the needs of the unreached who has never heard the gospel. The unfed, unclothed, unsheltered, and poor due to circumstances not their choice. To, to reach the unsupported Christians suffering in hostile spiritual environments. To support the unborn targeted for abortion and the mothers deceived and exploited by child caring industry. To support the unreconciled, those of different races and cultures who are alienated, hostile, or suspicious of each other. To support the untrained, a generation growing up in a society without moral absolutes and eternal values who need to hear God's truth spoken in love and whose parents need to be equipped with their children to love their children, um, educators and role models, to be educators and role models. So that's, that's his aim for his foundation. Is that the heart of God? It's absolutely the heart of God. And so Randy um, started working for minimum wage. His wife was a part-time secretary. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. He said he, through gifts of others, he was able to keep his house. He, was able, he thought he was going to lose his house with this. He was able to keep his kids in Christian school because uh, God blessed others to give. You know, saw what happened to him and they just gave to keep his children in school. And uh, his, his basic ministry was this, right? You, we're going to receive gifts from people and he's written some books. He's going to receive royalties from his books. He's going to take those books and then just use them to distribute to accomplish his purpose in these ways. And here's what Randy Alcorn said. He said, when, when all of the books went over to Eternal Perspectives Ministries and I no longer had any ownership and no longer received any of the royalties, he said, suddenly my books were on the bestseller list. He said, royalties dramatically increased and we gave them away, 100% of them, to missions, famine relief, pro-life work, urban ministries, racial reconciliation ministries, prison ministries and other kingdom interests. And since 1997, so this was a couple years ago, so he said since 1997, by God's grace, the ministry has given away more than $1 million of royalties to these different causes of Christ. Sometimes I think that God sells these books just to raise funds for the things that are close to His heart. Is that not God be gracious to us and bless us and cause your face shine upon us that your ways may be known on the earth thy salvation among all nations? Why do you think God is so blessed Randy Alcorn's ministry? I think it's because they're committed to make God's way known on the earth to those people that have a special place in the heart of God. And his salvation is known among the nations. Perhaps if we as a church and we individually have this perspective God, be gracious to us and bless us. Cause Your face to shine upon us that Your ways may be known on the earth, Your salvation among all the nations. We might receive a similar privilege of being on the blessed end of giving. You remember what Jesus said? It's more blessed to give than to receive. But to give, it needs to be given to you first. But if it's given to you first, you have a heart, you're going to give it. It's way more blessed that way. And so pray. Pray with me. Pray with the church. God, bless us. God, use us. And here it is, thirdly this morning. God, be praised. There it is, verse 3. Let the peoples praise You, O God. Let all the peoples praise You. This is really the ultimate desire of the psalmist. He wants God's name to be praised. Bless us so we can make Your way known, so the people be saved, so that You, O Lord, will receive praise. 
And so you actually see here the ultimate priority for the psalmist is that God would be worshipped. I sent out my weekly word this past week with a quote from uh, John Piper's book, Let the Nations Be Glad. It's on the back table. The book there looks a little bit different, I think, than my book. But I want to read these three paragraphs to you again today. Some of you maybe read it in the weekly word. Some of you said, oh, I'll just pass over that. Let me just show you the riches of the things that I try to include in that weekly word so that you might read every word of that thing. All right. How many of you read these three paragraphs? Good, good. <clears throat> Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. It is a temporary necessity, but worship abides forever. Worship, therefore, is the fuel and goal in missions. It's the goal of missions because in missions we simply aim to bring the nations into the white-hot enjoyment of God's glory. The goal of missions is the gladness of the peoples in the greatness of God. The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the many coastlands be glad. Let the peoples praise Thee, O God. Let all the peoples praise Thee. And then verse 4 of Psalm 67. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. But worship is also the fuel of missions. Passion for God in worship precedes the offering of God in preaching. You can't command, you can't commend what you don't cherish. You can't commend what you don't cherish. Missionaries will never call out, let the nations be glad who cannot say from their heart, I rejoice in the Lord and I will be glad and exult in Thee. I will sing praise to Thy name, O Most High. Wish, missions begins and ends in worship. That quote is worth the entire book. I'd pay $10 for that quote. It's about what a book costs, I think. But you'll get it in your email this week. I send out my sermon notes. You got it right there. Print it out. Post it out. Think about it. You got it in your weekly word. Those words are long in impacting. Missions exist because worship doesn't. The peoples over there aren't worshiping the Lord. And they need to worship the Lord for their happiness. And so we send people to tell them of the Lord so they can worship the Lord, so they can be happy in the Lord. In fact, this statement is why this psalm is very appropriate for us this morning. You have a lengthy call to worship. Because worship is the driving issue of the psalmist. He desires to see the nations giving praise to the Lord. He wants them to, to be glad. He wants them to sing for joy is what verse 4 says. Why? Because the psalmist himself has found his own joy in worshiping the Lord. Let me just ask you, that: do you love Worshiping the Lord. Do you find your greatest happiness when you're in His presence? Do you want others to join in your joy? The psalmist is saying. Don't you want to see people be happy? I mean, does your heart break when you see perhaps on TV or pictures in the newspaper or something, the Muslims bowing down in their sheets to Allah? 
and everything that's wrapped up in the Muslim faith, you know, that's only going to lead to hatred and animosity and anger and no peace. Don't you long for them to be happy in Christ? They worship the Lord the true way? Worshiping Jesus? And what is it that breaks your heart when you, you hear of Hindus worshiping their millions of gods, bringing their incense to their gods, or doing their things, or doing their incense? What, what is it that breaks your heart? Your, your heart is that there's going to be no happiness in that. It's like a, a dead-end road, guys. Happiness is in the Lord Jesus Christ when you worship Him. What is it that breaks your heart when a worldly American works to get so he can spend it all on himself? Rather, we learned in flocks last week, those are our flock, is that there are three ways to live. You can steal to get. It's a bad way. You can work to get. That's the American way. It's still a bad way. Or you can work to give. That's the biblical way. Let him who steals, steal no longer, but rather... Let him work with his own hands that he may be able to give. That's the American way. It's sad when Americans work to get spent all on themselves. And your heart, I should say, break for these people. Because they're, they're pursuing materialism which has no happiness in the end. Rather, you say it's worship of Christ where the happiness is. And so missions, whether it's abroad or at home, exist because worship doesn't. That's the cry of the psalmist. He wants the nations to be happy. And the only way for them to be happy is to worship the true God. And the true God is Jesus Christ. Peter said there's salvation in no one else, for there's no other name given among heaven by which men must be saved. Acts 4.12 And apart from Christ, the nations are doomed, but with Him there's joy and gladness. That's what verse 4 speaks about. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Let them worship the Lord. Because, here it is, God will judge the peoples with a brightness and guide the nations on the earth. He will judge fairly and He will guide as well. Our only hope for the nations is that the Lord would govern them. It's their only hope for nations. As many of you know, we've put some labor into missions in Nepal. We've helped build a children's home there. Many of you are supporting children in that dark country, raising children. What are financially supporting children about 50 bucks a month to change a life drastically to be raised in a Christian environment rather than a Hindu place without parents living in the slums or the dirt someplace. But Nepal for years been the only Hindu nation in the world, the only Hindu kingdom. The past decade or so, there have been some Maoists, some communists have come in and tried to turn over the king and they've been successful. After a decade of political turmoil and intimidation, the Maoists and revolting against the country have deposed the king. The king voluntarily gave it up. It wasn't assassinated or anything like that. But there's such an outcry. The king stepped aside. So that's formed this constituent government. Rather than a monarchy, rather than a Hindu kingdom, they became a republic. And now they're in the process of writing up a new constitution. They just had elections this past week to elect representatives for constituent assembly, which will draft a new constitution for the country. Right? Major change in this country. But major difficulty as well. The elections have been marred by intimidation, kidnapping, murder, people seeking to gain power for themselves. But ultimately, we know that any power they gain isn't going to make them happy. Only the Lord will satisfy their deepest longings. Only when Nepal experiences the salvation of Christ will they be happy. Charles Spurgeon said it this way, when men know God's way and see His salvation, it brings to their hearts much happiness. 
Nothing creates gladness so speedily, so surely, and so abidingly as the salvation of God. Nations will never be glad till they follow the leadership of the great shepherd. They may shift their modes of government from monarch. This is so interesting. This is Nepal. From monarchies to republics, from republics to communes. The Maoists are winning the elections. But they will retain their wretchedness till they bow before the Lord of all. And the psalmist wants Nepal to find their happiness in God. The psalmist wants Iraq to find their happiness in God. The psalmist wants Saudi Arabia to find their happiness in God. What other nations do you want? What nations are there? Give me some. He wants who? China. Who else? North Korea. Who else? Who? Iran. India. U.S. Come on, shout them out. Where does he want? All nations, all people. Just start shouting out some nations. Argentina. Russia. Kazakhstan. Mexico. God's heart is for the nations. That's what verse 5 says. Let the peoples praise you, O God. And not just specific peoples. All the peoples praise you. The heart of the psalmist here is, is God, I want them to be happy. I want them to join in what I have. Think about it. When you're experiencing something special, don't you want others to join in with you? Don't you? You're watching the Masters on TV. And there's Tiger Woods, and he makes a good shot. Now, this didn't happen yesterday, but it, it, it could have. Up on! Hey, golf, look at this shot! In fact, I remember a time, there's probably like one golf shot you ever remember. Remember? Who was it? it was Tiger Woods? You don't remember the situation. Okay, she remembers. It wobbled and went in. And let me tell you the situation. It's the Sunday at Augusta, and uh, Tiger's there on the fringe of the 16th. I forget whether he was down or whatever, but he's he's looking and um, the commentators say something about it's like the most difficult place to chip from from any place around the green, just the, the lie and things like that. And even the commentator said he gets he's going to be lucky if he's closer than Chris DeMarco, who had, who had putted and was still a ways away. I'm not sure. And so if, if he just gets close, that's going to be a great putt. And so he gets there and he lines it up and he hits it and it swings around. How many of you seen this putt before? Something. <laughs> Watch golf. It's exciting, okay? It's better than paint, Ryan. Okay, he chips it on there, and this thing takes a big, wide bend, and it's coming around. It's right on the edge, and it looks like it stopped. And it rolled in, and the crowds go wild. And when I saw that the first time, this was in 1996, I think, uh, 2006. I said, Yvonne, come, watch this. Come here, look at this. Right? I want you to share in my joy of this great golf shot. Oh, that we were pleased and happy in God. It works many other ways as well. You're outside after the rain. You see the rainbow. What do you say? Hey, guys, come. Look at this. Come on out here. A few months ago, there was a total eclipse of the moon. Right? And we knew about it. We went outside. Hey, come out here. Look at this. Look at this. This is incredible. Right? You just want to share with yourself. You want to share it with others. giving you such delight and joy. Your child takes his first steps. Quick, get the video camera so we can videotape this. We can remember we can send it to Grandma so she can see it and she can rejoice with us. I mean, isn't that how life works? You go to the amusement... How many of you want to go to the amusement park and ride the roller coaster alone? You want to do that? 
You want to ride it with somebody to share in the experience. I remember a couple years ago, I heard you laugh over here, Alyssa. I remember a couple years ago, we went to um, Great America with uh, um, with the Krauss family was part of that group. And I remember there was this roller coaster. I, I forget what it was called. What was it called? You remember you rode with Avon? Vertical V2, vertical twice. You go up here and you, you go up there. And I was too scared to go on it. But Avon went and she was with Alyssa and they went, woo. And Avon, And I remember, Alyssa, your comment was, Mrs. Brandon, I'll never look at you the same again after I arrive. But um, that's what the psalmist says. He says, I found my happiness, I found my joy in God, and I want all the peoples to join with us in that happiness. We want the nations to join in our joy by worshiping Him. And so I just ask you, do you love worshiping the Lord? That's the fuel of missions. You won't love missions unless you love worship because the reason for missions is so that they'll worship. And as Piper says, you can't commend what you don't cherish. Well, when I finish my call to worship this morning, we're going to have an opportunity to, to sing praise to God with enthusiasm. And, and I just really encourage you to, to sing out and sing praise. And let's, let's make this the most special, wonderful time of worship that we've had at Rock Valley Bible Church. I want you to enjoy your worship of the Lord. One of the songs we're going to sing is this, Shine, Jesus, Shine. Think about these words. Shine, Jesus, shine. Right? Let your face shine upon us. Fill this land with the Father's glory. Blaze, Spirit, blaze. Set our hearts on fire. Flow, river, flow. Flood the nations with grace and mercy. Send forth Your Word and let there be light. O Lord, shine on us that we might be lights to the world. We'll sing that song. We'll sing, shout to the Lord. All the earth let us sing. Glory, power, and majesty. Praise to the King. Mountains fall down and the seas will roar at the sound of Your name. I sing for joy at the works of Your hands. Forever I'll love You. Forever I'll stand. Nothing compares to the promise I have in You. Isn't that a great song to sing after Psalm 67? We're going to sing from the ends of the earth. From the depths of the sea, from the heights of the heavens, O Lord, Your name be praised. From the hearts of the weak, from the shouts of the strong, from the lips of all people, this song we raise. Throughout the endless ages, You will be crowned with praises, Lord Most High, exalted in every nation, sovereign over all creation. Lord, be magnified. Can we sing that song after our call to worship this morning? I hope so. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise. That was Charles Wesley's comment. The 11th anniversary of his salvation. I am so thrilled in God that I wish I had not just one tongue. I wish I had a thousand tongues to sing the praise of my Redeemer. And that's the heart of the psalmist here in Psalm 67. I want the peoples to praise You. I want all the peoples to praise You. Well, the missionary prayer begins in verse 1, bless us, continues in verse 2, use us, continues in verse 3, be praised, O oh God. And now, in verses 6 and 7, we see the request, God be feared. 
God be feared. Look at verse 6 and 7. It says, The earth has yielded its produce, and God, our God, blesses us. God blesses us that all the ends of the earth may fear Him. Well, verse 1 expresses a desire for God's blessing. Verse 2 expresses the reality of God's blessing. Perhaps it was written after the time of the harvest when all the produce came in. We don't exactly know, but the psalmist probably looking, reflecting upon the mounds of, of wheat and corn that come in. is going to supply them through the wintertime. Say, God has blessed us. God has blessed us. He blesses us with a purpose. He blesses us, verse 7, that all the ends of the earth may fear Him. It is interesting here in Psalm 67 how, how national, how worldly this psalm is. Is it? How the focus is beyond. Oftentimes we can think of Israel, Israel is just stuck in themselves. Right? God had this plan for Israel and all the nations. He didn't have this plan. It was just there. Right? We read Ephesians chapter 3 about the mystery. Now the Gentiles are included now and they're fellow heirs. And we think, oh, this mystery, right, that was hidden in times past, but now has been revealed that the Gentiles, right, us non-Jews for the most part can come into the presence of God and worship Him as fellow heirs and fellow partakers of the, the blessing. It, and we think that that's new with the Gospel, new with Christ. And we fail to realize that God has always had a heart for the nations. It's all over Psalm 67. God's blessed us that all the ends of the earth may fear Him. In fact, look at verse 3. Let the peoples praise You, O God. Let all the peoples praise You. Verse 5. Let the peoples praise You, O God. Let all the peoples praise You. Look at verse 2. Your salvation among all the nations. Your ways may be known on the earth. That's all the earth. Not just your ways known here in Israel. When God has a heart, He has a heart for the nations. And it was, I'm going to bless Israel, I'm going to bless them abundantly so that others are going to see it and brought it into the fold. In fact, this statement was a purpose of God when He established the nation of Israel. He initially called Abraham out from his country. Listen to the words of Abraham and think about his missionary purpose through Abraham. Go forth from your country, God told Abraham. Genesis 12, 1-3. And from your relatives and from your father's house to a land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. And I will make your name great. You're coming to this land of Israel. I'm going to bless you. You're going to be a great nation. I'm going to make you great. You're going to be a blessing. Why? God even said it here in Genesis 12. And so you shall be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you, Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. When the nation of Israel existed in two people, Abraham and Sarah, God said He's going to take them and richly bless them to make a great nation out of them. Make Abraham's name great. Extend then that blessing to all the ends of the earth. In you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And of course, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 8, Paul points this out. The Gospel was preached beforehand to Abraham saying, in you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Because it's in Abraham that came the seed of Christ. And Christ has come and brought salvation to all. But even before the coming of Christ, there was a great missionary heart in the heart of God. God blessed Israel. They might be a blessing to others. And I'm telling you, as much as this applied to Israel in the past, you can apply this almost directly to America today. You can apply it to any church, any Christian gathering, especially America. God has blessed us. Has God blessed America? 
He has. The question is, will He in the future? Has God brought its produce into America? The earth has yielded its produce. We are the food producers for the world. Have any of you gone hungry? Have any of you lacked a roof over your head? Have any of you lacked heat in the winter or clothes to wear? Uh, We are the richest, most blessed country in the world and there is a reason why God blesses us. He blesses us so that He might spread His name abroad so others might come to see Him and fear Him. He's blessed us to bless the nations. He has blessed us so all the ends of the earth may fear Him. And it may just be that as we fail in our missionary task, God may relieve His hand of blessing from us. In fact, that may be happening today. He can easily raise up other nations to spread His name abroad. Unless you think, I, I don't think so. I think, you know, we're this indomitable America. We got all this money, you know, you go abroad. Think about the story of South Korea. 1953, the Korean War ended and, and Korea was devastated. Poor, devastated nation. The time, in 1953, 800,000 Protestant Christians. It's not a lot. But God sent a revival to South Korea. In fact, if you read their prayer meetings, their mountain prayer meetings, the, the unbelievable time and effort they've pleaded with God to help them and bless them. It's been amazing. I mean, I read these guys and say, I've never prayed in my life. And I see the kind of commitment they have to prayer. The number of Protestant decades from 1953 has doubled every decade since then. <clears throat> doubled, 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 doubled. Now... There are about 15 million Protestant Christians in South Korea. God has blessed the economy in South Korea. Think about this. Small, 500 million people. They are the 11th largest economy in the world. I mean, you don't think about that, but God has blessed Korea. And today, they sent out 10,000 missionaries in South Korea. 10,000 missionaries today are out full-time supported by indigenous churches of Korea. And to give you a hint, that's the second most worldwide. They send out more than any other nation except America. We still sit about 60,000. But South Korea is on the increase and America is on the decrease. I foresee a day where those things pass. I, I, I remember speaking with a missionary. He said, you know, it's not a problem, but it is interesting. You're on the mission field where the missions used to be dominated by the West. And uh, missionary schools, you're going to teach them Western curriculum. Whereas today there's so many Korean missionaries out there that they, they have almost a need to have their special Korean missionary schools so as to teach them about their Korean heritage. Just because God has so blessed South Korea to send forth these people. And I'm just telling you, God can easily raise up whomever He wants to accomplish His purposes of His desire for worldwide blessing. God can easily bless and withhold. And I believe that God will bless according to how fast we shovel it out to give it. Is what I believe. He blesses us with a purpose that all the ends of the earth may fear Him. So, we come now to verse 7. You say, so what, Steve? Why did you preach on Psalm 67 this morning? Well, here's why. Because I want God to, to grip our lives with His greatness, His plan for our life as a church. I desire for God to use Rock Valley Bible Church to be a blessing to nations more so than ever before. And I think that I just want to stir the awareness today 
Be aware of these things and be open to the moving of God. We don't have great plans today. It's not like we're announcing a new missions, um, you know, path or passion or plan. I just want to say, you know, I don't know how it's going to, I just want us to be a missionary church. It's a missionary here at home, missionary abroad, just giving money that we might bless other nations and other peoples. You can pray for how that's going to end up. I don't know how it's going to end up, but I'm just saying we need to get behind Psalm 67. To this end, we are stepping up our heart to pray for the nations uh, this morning in our, our prayer time. Um, I don't know, maybe 35 people there or something like that. I'd love to say, you know what? I see Psalm 67, Psalm 67, a heart to pray for the nations. Right? Let's, let's increase our prayer meeting because we want to pray for the nations. This morning, we prayed for Nepal and Albania and Nigeria and Congo and Russia and Israel and Germany and Kazakhstan and Ireland and China and the Philippines and Kenya because we know of people there or people interested in those places. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. And all of you have stories and all of you know people who are abroad. And I just want to say, let's get behind those people as a church and let's Pray for them and help them, and as possible, financially support them how we can. I mean, the weekly word. I want to, you know, I've done family highlights. I want to continue to do this. I want to have some missions highlight. Just, just highlight different people that you know, and I'll be asking you about different people that you know. Maybe I can highlight doing some kind of mission work. I just want to drum up our, our hearts for missions, and our prayer time. We'll continue to, to do that. Just keep 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 focus on others, not focus upon ourselves, right? So as God blesses us, let's. Bless others. Here's a book I commend to you. Operation World. Any familiar with this book? Good, good. It's a book that uh, talks about every nation in the earth. And uh, talks about economically how they're doing, geography, people, the religions. And uh, just describes the situation in the church and uh, gives specific prayer requests that you can pray in knowledge. This would be a great book for you to do in your family worship. Just read through some of this and pray for this. Have a heart for the nations. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll order a bulk of these. If you say, hey, I want a book like that, maybe we'll just order a bunch of them. Put them in your home so you can use them. I just want us to catch this missionary prayer and pray that God would move and then that we would be open to the moving of the Spirit of God to bless the nations as God blesses us. So, the church that we're going to do, we're going to increase our efforts, plead with the Lord to bless us so that He will use us so that He would be praised, so that He would be feared in the nations. Well, let me pray, and after I pray, we're going to enter a time of worship, and let's, let's worship the Lord. Lord, I've merely called the people here whom I love and whom You love into white-hot worship of You. And so I pray, Lord, You'd bless our time and receive worship. Give us a heart for worship because we can't commend what we don't cherish. I pray, Lord, we'd cherish this time that You would be exalted over all as we worship You. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.